Hola, everybody. Welcome to the Chats with Yvonne podcast with me, your host, Yvonne Armenta, where I talk about public speaking con cultura. And the focus of today's episode is going to be all around improv. I'm going to start off this episode with giving a little bit of history of improv, what it is, what it means, some of the benefits of engaging in improv, and end with some of the rules before the last segment, the last part of it. I want to make it an improv episode. So I'm probably going to go on ChatGPT, look up random prompts, and speak there, speak from there. This last month, the most recent Latina Presente workshop was all around storytelling. And so I'm going to try my best to tell a story with any prompt that comes up and we'll see what this episode will be like. A lot of the episodes that I have for this podcast, I will outline. So it's going to be an interesting thing to just go with the flow. And we'll talk about this at the end because I'll do a little bit of a reflection. But improving is very different from a prepared public speaking engagement or a prepared speech. But there are a lot of things that you do in improv that you can use and leverage in your public speaking. So all of that to say, if you haven't tried an improv class out, I highly recommend them. They are really awkward (laughs) at first, but very, very fun. So anyway, let's go ahead and get right into it. I will be using and citing my sources in the description of this podcast episode So if you want to check some of the articles that I'm about to talk about out, check them out there, go to the description. The first one is by Covert Theater. And this one is what I use this one to understand what improv is and define a little bit of the history. So first of all, what is improv? Improv, also known as impro, is short for improvisation. It's spontaneous ensemble theater. It is an art from where the performers make up the theater, usually comedy on the spot. Improv is a centuries-old art form that has been used mainly in the performing arts, the acting and music traditions. It's developed through the ages, and today most drama training institutes incorporate improv into their curriculum. Fun fact, I used to do theater in middle school and really, really enjoyed it. Another fun fact, I wanted to be a part of the Parodia cast. I don't know if y'all know what that show even is, but it was a show in Spanish. I think it was on Univision, but a whole bunch of actors would get together and basically you impersonate celebrities or someone famous. And not to brag, but I feel like I have pretty accurate you know, skills like I can mimic behaviors and voices and faces, like facial expressions, really well. I don't know why that is a skill that I have, but I do. It's like a very random skill. And I truly do think that in another life, that's what I would have loved to do for work is just get paid to do impersonations because I think it's so fun to explore and take on the vibe of someone else and just kind of act it out. I don't know. I just really love that. But fun fact, I used to do theater. (laughs) I felt like I needed to throw that in there. So there are different types of improv from improv games, which is more short form. So if you've ever been to an improv class, you've likely engaged in this kind of improv. There's also improv scenes. So sometimes those improv groups, like the classes that you go to, they end up having a performance or an improv theater performance on the weekend. Those are more long form. And then there's the 
narrative improv, which is full-length improvised plays. So you get more time to develop a story and the characters and all of that. That's basically the difference between them. Shorts, I would say medium length. And then the longer ones, it's the difference mainly is time to develop the characters and keep the story going. So what are the benefits of improv? Like, why would you even want to try it out? Why is it something that you could potentially get into? And I'm going to read directly from the article. Improvisation that focuses on narrative is an art form that provides the opportunity for a person to develop themselves on many different levels. It's far more than just having the ability to jump on stage with friends and make some entertaining stuff up. It sets up a safe and fun environment for a person to undergo experiential self-directed learning. Through the interactive exercises and activities, a person is able to experience learning on an intellectual, physical, and emotional level. With regular practice, a person is able to self-reflect on their learnings and make better choices. This personal growth results in not only being a better improviser, but a person is able to transform this learning to every area of life, whether it's personal relationships or professional work or school. And I really do think that there is so many benefits in improv and in what you practice there that you can bring and leverage to public speaking. And in particular, I want to point out some of the rules of improv because I think that goes deeper into what I mean and what I'm referencing. In an NPR article titled, The Rules of Improv Can Make You Funnier, They Can Also Make You More Confident, they outline five rules of improv and then they go into a couple details about how you use it for improv and then how you can use it in your actual life. So that is linked in the description if you want to check out the full article. But the first rule is yes and. In improv, maybe you've heard this, maybe you're familiar with it, but yes and means you just keep going. Like someone says something silly or someone says something that catches you off guard, you're like, mm-hmm. Yes, and because the entire idea is that you are allowing for creativity to take place in the room. You're allowing for things that don't always make sense to make sense in that moment. Rule number two embrace mistakes. We all do them, it happens. And it's probably what makes improv such a safe space is that you can make a mistake. And Honestly, I feel like there really isn't a mistake in improv because because the first rule says yes and, you're adopting and embracing that mistake and you just keep it going. And that's what adds character to the play or to the scene or whatever it is that you're doing. Number three, don't be shy. Don't shy away from yourself. What does that mean? And the article specifically calls this out, but I think it's so funny too, because there have been so many times when I'm in a room and people will make references to movies that I have never watched in my life. I'm like, oye, no han visto El Chavo del Ocho or Marcelino Pan y Vino. Those are my shows. That's like what I grew up on, right? So I always think that, oh, well, I know that in improv, it asks me to lead with those things. Because if rules one says yes and, I know that people will have to play along with it. And if I lead, like not shying away from yourself means leading with those things. In my in my example, it would be, well, you know what? I don't know what movie you're talking about. I really don't. But Chavo Ocho says this, but Marcelino Panivino is all about this, right? And so it's all about embracing actually who you are and 
because those different experiences are actually what's going to make the improv funnier or better. It's like, how boring would it be if we all just kept the mainstream pop culture stuff? Like part of the reason why sometimes I feel like I suck at trivia is because I'm not always in the know about pop culture, but I know all these other random things, which I guess kind of helps. But for those, if the theme is, if we think, hey, we have to be mainstream, then we don't allow ourselves to fully show up. And I think improv requires you to do that. It gives you good practice in showing up as yourself. Number four, be present in your body. That means stop thinking about what you're going to say next or how you think you should react to what your improv partner just said. Go with the flow. And if nothing comes out, imagine, like, I think it's so funny too, like this comedic pause, right? You're in the middle of improv and someone says something and you know you have to be like, yes, and, and embrace the mistake and don't not shy away from yourself. But when you're present in your body, sometimes that means pausing. Sometimes that means you're not going to say anything. And I also think that that's a really good call for public speaking. Being present, learning to be present in your body allows you to react with more information versus being not necessarily reactive, but you're reacting with a purpose. Rule number five, make room for play. Have fun with it. Things don't have to make sense. In improv, it's all about just going with the flow. It literally, there is no mistake. I went to an improv class and I was so nervous. I was overthinking. And I think you could see it even in my body language. But once I saw some other people make mistakes, by the way, everybody there, we did a round uh, table and everyone shared who they were, what they did. A lot of them were actors. <laughs> and so I was one of the only ones that was like, well, I'm just here because for fun. Y sí, no les dije that I was a public speaker because me da pena. <laughs> but everybody was an actor. And so I realized that even they, even they who have probably done a ton of improv classes were embracing those mistakes. They were making those random pauses where they didn't know what to say or saying random things. And it made the skit funnier. It made everything in the environment just better. So make room for fun. Don't think that it has to make sense. Don't think that, for example, if your prompt is, hey, your morning routine. Don't think that you have to say, I wake up and I grab cafecito. And then the next person says, yes, and the cafecito was so good. So I went outside and read a book. Like it can totally be something like, oh, me hice un tecito. And then all of a sudden, a big monster came in through my window, but then a little flower started fighting it. And then, you know, you just make up stories. So make room for play. And those are the five rules of improv. Now, that being said, I'm going to go ahead and transition into the part where I do a little bit of improv. So again, this is a little harder because it's just me in my cuartito right now. There's no one here to play off of, but I'm going to go on chat GPT and type in public speaking prompts. And you can probably hear me typing that. Ya me di un calambre, hold on. <laughs> I need to stretch out my leg. Ya no lo siento. All right. There we go. Ahora sí. 
Okay. Oh my gosh. I'm nervous. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> okay. I'm going to share with you all, and, and I think this will give you some perspective about me as a person too. I've always said this. When people ask me, hey, Yvonne, who's your idol in public speaking? Who do you admire? Who's your favorite singer? Who's your favorite artist? I actually don't. Sometimes I, the, sometimes the people and the artists that I love the most, I don't even know their names oftentimes. I know what they look like, but I don't know their names because I associate them with the art versus them as a celebrity or someone to look up to because we're all human. We're all flawed. But anyway, one of the prompts says, discuss your all-time favorite book or movie and explain why it has had such a significant impact on you. I don't know that this has had a significant impact on me, but I can't even remember the name of the book. And for the longest time, this is something, this is years long, y'all. People will always ask me, what's your favorite book? This is one of my favorites because I think it just exemplified how much of a hopeless romantic I can be and how much of a cancer I really am, even though I try to act like I'm not. I, I found this book and I can't remember how I actually got this book. Like, did I buy it? Did someone give it to me? I can't remember. But this book is almost like a three in one. It's the experience of three best friends. They all travel abroad for the summer. And obviously you could probably guess what happens next. But son tres amigas. One of them ends up having to stay in their local hometown, which is some somewhere in Texas. And she meets someone from Italy, right? They do like an exchange program. She meets someone from Italy. She didn't have enough money to go travel abroad. So she ended up just staying, working at her family's bakery. And she ends up meeting and falling in love with this Italian dude that came from abroad. The other two friends, one of them, I think actually went to Italy and she was so against her hometown people. She was like, no, I, if I get a boyfriend. I don't want to fall in love with anybody from my hometown. No, thank you. So she goes to Italy or wherever it was in Europe that she was abroad. And guess what? She falls in love with someone from her hometown. And then the other one is also somewhere in Europe. They're all in different locations, by the way. So the book basically tracks and is a diary entry for all of them and tells you the story of all of their different loves and how they came to be. But the other one ends up meeting this, I think, super rich guy over there and then ends up just staying in Europe. So anyway, very bad. I was not ready to, to discuss that. But that is one of my favorite books because I just remember when I was in middle school, I think it's the not even the book itself. I don't even think that it was the best written book ever. But it was when I was in middle school, and even till this day, I just have so many dreams of traveling. And more than the romantic relationships, I think for me, it was this idea of, wow, there's so much world out there. There's so much, so many things that I haven't yet seen. And I can't wait to be old enough to be able to go travel and do them. And the when i was in middle school obviously i couldn't travel by myself but the the one place i had gone to often was mexico because i would go to mexico every summer and when i finally got old enough i think when i was in college and understanding that i could study abroad maybe o sea como que yo sabía i knew that Maybe I didn't have enough money to do that or that my mom couldn't financially support me traveling in that way. 
But in my mind, I never thought that that was a barrier. I just was like, one day I'm going to travel. I'm going to travel. It's going to happen. I'm going to figure it out. And I actually started my savings in college. So when I was in, in college and when I started my big girl job, I would travel a lot. I did my first travel, solo travel trip to Tokyo. It was the best ever. And after that, I almost became addicted to traveling by myself. And I think travel for those you know, that are privileged enough to do it both financially and everything else. It's just, it opens your idea of the world up so much more and you realize how small you really are. And I think I look for those things often because in our day-to-day, it can feel like, oh my God, everything is just happening, happening all at once. The world you know, sometimes it feels like the world revolves around us. Like we are the only ones with problems or not that our problems don't matter, obviously, or that our feelings aren't valid about those actual problems. But it's this idea of sometimes it can be so easy to forget. It's easy to remember that there are other people outside of our immediate community and circle. And it's one of the most and I don't want to say, you know, you use travel to humble you, right? I, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is that travel allows me to continue to not idolize people, to continue to say, hey, we are all human. We are all flawed. And whenever I go outside of my immediate environment, it allows me to go outside of myself as well and see myself and my lived experience from a different perspective. And it's kind of comforting comforting to know that to some extent, we're all going through it and then we're all finding some joy in the craziness of it all. And so that, I rambled way too long, don't even know what I said, but Basically, that book really reminded me and I think planted the seed for me around travel. And sure, maybe it started with, ooh, I'm going to travel and meet the love of my life. Yeah, sure, whatever. But really what it has evolved to is this yearn for traveling, this yearn for exploring and seeing new things. If I never had to worry about money ever, ever again, that's what I would do. And I'll tell y'all, but I have this dream of if I could pick up a new skill and just go do this and make a living out of it, or maybe not even make a living and just not worry about bills or anything, I'd actually learn how to be, be a video producer and record my own documentaries and travel around the world interviewing people. And I have a very specific thing that I'd interview people about, but... I don't want to share that just yet because because <laughs> I still have hopes and dreams that one day it'll still be a thing that I do. But that is one of my, if I, if I could do that forever, if I could do that right now, if someone said, hey, it's guaranteed that you will be the most amazing documentary video producer and you can go travel interviewing people about this topic. If someone told me that I could do that right now, I think I would drop everything and go do that. I really would. <sighs> okay, one more. I think let's do one more. 
yeah, we're at 20 minutes. Y'all don't, we don't need to go into all that. <laughs> and excuse me too, because this isn't, this isn't necessarily around public speaking, the art itself, but I think this is a good practice and example in go on chat GPT, look up random prompts, think about what stories come up for you because that prompt about the book prompted me to tell you all about my travel plans and even hopes and dreams for things. And that is a story that is something that would not have happened had I not had that prompt. So think about these things. Think about going to improv classes. Go to improv classes because I really do think that they stimulate creativity and they remind you of the very things that are part of your essence. Like the things that you don't, that you maybe we've buried or don't make enough room for in our everyday lives, they show up in improv classes. And I think that's freaking awesome. I think improv, to, to me, what improv actually does for a lot of people is what public speaking has the power to do as well. Like public speaking, a lot of people think, hey, let me get more confident and then I'll public speak. But I actually think it's that the public speaking is what's going to make you more confident and help you embrace, fully embrace yourself. And I'll probably do an, an entire podcast episode about this because I actually am working on, I've delivered something on this already before, but I want this to be one of my signature topics is that public speaking is the tool for embracing yourself. It's the tool for not gaining the confidence, but rewiring our relationship to confidence and what that even means and reconnecting with that confidence that we already have within ourselves. It's just, we've never had a space, a stage to do it. So maybe I'll do an entire episode about it, but also maybe I may just do a at an upcoming speaking engagement, I'll talk about it. Who knows? <laughs> All right, let me see and do one more on here. <clears throat> unexpected passion. Talk about a hobby or interest that you unexpectedly developed a passion for. Most of you know this, but it's running. <laughs> it's actually, okay. Actually, I'll tell you the story because I've talked about running so much. I'll actually tell you a different hobby and it's actually boxing. So when I was younger, there was an opportunity, obviously being in any kind of sport is expensive and not only expensive in the gear that you have to get for most of these sports, but also the time spent on going to practices and the gas spent to take me to practices, you know, so growing up, I really wasn't able to do a ton of sports, but until I got to, to high school when, you know, I had friends who could take me to practice and stuff in the games. <laughs> and I remember there was, I, I believe it was in high school, but there was a program that had come to my school or I don't know how we had learned about it, but, or actually the, it was a small center, a small like community center located at the park where I used to practice every Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, soccer practice. and. I rem one of the community people there had said, hey, there's this program. They were passing out flyers. There was this program where they would give you free gear to go and practice boxing. And I remember bringing this flyer and being so excited because I had told my mom that I wanted to do boxing before. And obviously it was like, no, we don't got time or money for that. So when I brought her the flyer, I was like, well, guess what? I took care of the, the money part of it. 
the time part of it, I'm I'm already there all the time. I can take the bus at this point by myself. I was in high school. So I remember her being like, no, you're going to get your, your face is going to get messed up. Like that's for boys type of thing. And I was so discouraged to even try the boxing. I was like, ah, okay, whatever. Left that for a lot of years. But I remember always being fascinated by the sport, thinking it was so cool and just feeling like, damn, people that do boxing look so badass. When I moved to San Diego, there was a boxing gym right across the street from me. And granted, it wasn't like I was getting one-on-one training. I could have if I wanted to, but I was kind of nervous about it, to be honest. But I felt like this was my way of healing that part of myself. (laughs) I was like, oh, it is a guy's sport. I'm going to get my face messed up. Like, no, at this point, I was simply doing it for the workout and it transformed my mind and my body in a lot of different ways. And I almost became addicted to going to my classes. Like sometimes I would go twice a day because I was like, this is so much fun. I love it. I just felt like, damn, I can punch this bag. I feel so strong. I feel badass. And they did help you with your technique as well there. It was just it was just everything that I thought it would be. And there were the coaches there would be like, hey, Yvonne, like you should try coming to one of the sparring classes or doing the one-on-one coaching, right? The one-on-one coaching, obviously, like they were trying to get me to pay for that. And I was like, mm, I, this gym is already expensive. I don't need to be paying for all that. It's like, I'm good off that. But the sparring, you have more attention to not just the punching and the workout part of it, but also the technique and punching and doing your little sequences and stuff. So I remember that what what held me back from doing that was because I was like, no, I don't think I'd be good at it. Um, I'm low-key scared. Like I'm just trying to punch a bag. I'm not trying to get punched. And I'm also not trying to punch an actual person. And the coaches, and this was multiple coaches would be like, oh, you have really good reach or, oh, good job. Like you, have you tried boxing? And I was like, "Um, no, there is absolutely no way. I'm too awkward for that. I'm too in my head about it. And actually recently I signed up for boxing again. So it's one of those things that maybe it wasn't an unexpected hobby or interest. I always had it in me. It's just that I wasn't able to fully explore it and have it fully developed and manifested in the ways that maybe it could have been. And I'm not saying that I want to get in the ring. I actually don't think that I would ever want to get in the ring, but I do want to continue learning the techniques and doing it for the workout. Like it's one of my most favorite things to do. And I think that when you're working out, it's so important to understand what you like. Because I tried Pilates because everyone was like, oh, everybody in the mamas was like, oh my gosh, Pilates is the best. Pilates is the best. Yeah, but it didn't work for me. It was kind of boring to me. I just, it just was boring. It was like, okay, this is very slow. It is kind of, it is hard. It is hard, but it's not like worth it hard to me. (laughs) Whereas boxing, you're constantly moving, you're doing different things and it's hard. It is challenging. You're like, want to stop, but you're still actively doing like with Pilates. It kind of felt for me personally, I felt like I wasn't doing anything, even though I knew I was kind of thing. It just didn't work for me. Like I could not see myself doing Pilates even once a week. And so 
I think that boxing became, or is, you know, I just recently signed up for a boxing gym again, and it is one of those hobbies that it's, it's one of those things that it isn't for anybody else anymore. I don't have to get permission from anybody to do it. It's not going to benefit anybody else but me. It's just a me thing. And so I think I've found safety. I've found comfort in boxing and in movement in general because I'm like, this is for me. And every time that I don't move, every time that I don't go to boxing or every time that I don't go on a run, I know that I didn't show up for myself and I showed up for everybody else. And that's something that I'm really working on. I'm really working on showing up for myself more often than I show up for other people. So that eventually just balances itself out (laughs) because currently I show up for other people a lot more than I show up for myself. And that's not sustainable. It's not the way that I want to live. It's not honoring myself. And so boxing and getting back into it. And I actually second guess signing up for this boxing gym because it is pretty expensive or it's not expensive. I mean, it's a, it's a fee. It's an investment, I would say. And I thought, well, you know what? It's fine. O sea, cuantas veces have I not spent like 70 bucks going to a restaurant to eat in one day? Whereas this, it's this amount. I think it's like, I forget how much it costs, but I just signed up yesterday. So forgive me, but it's X amount of money in the month, but I get to go every day. I get to invest in myself every day. I think about it as like, the chiquita no pude, pero ya de grande puedo because it's me. I couldn't do it when I was younger, but I, I can do it now as an adult because I'm paying for it. Like I got me. And I think that's the most beautiful thing ever. So y'all, with that being said, I think this episode is a little longer than I expected it to be, <laughs> but that's kind of what happens with improv. You can kind of just get into it and you start fully going into it. But I think that's what kind of happens with improv. You get into it and then all of a sudden you're just in a flow and can't really get out of it until someone says, okay, stop. And I hope that y'all enjoyed that. I hope that maybe this inspires you to go to an improv class. I mean, I definitely didn't, these prompts that I looked up on ChatGPT, I definitely didn't think that I would have anything much to say about it. Like, I definitely didn't think that from the book, I'd start talking about my lifelong dream or from the hobbies, I'd start talking about, you know, the story of me not being able to do it when I was younger. So again, think about improv almost as a as a way to practice your public speaking, but more than practicing the public speaking itself, it's almost like a great practice in practicing your storytelling and carving out, like resurfacing those stories that so often we forget about because we're not prompted to think about them on a day-to-day. We're not we're not giving the space to explore them on a day-to-day. And so I think that improv really allows you to explore those things that have been kept inside of us for a really long time already and that we haven't been able to resurface or bring to light or shed light on them on anymore. So I encourage y'all to check out your local improv classes, learn a little bit more about improv if you'd like, reach out to me if you have questions. And of course, thank you so much for listening. Feel free to share this con tus amigas, your cousins, your tia, your tios, everybody and their mamas. Y nos vemos a la próxima.